Let me pray for us this morning. We're gonna, everybody's going to stay in. We're going to have a message, and then we're going to have communion. So we want everybody to be able to stay in here this morning, so no children's church. Let me pray for us, all right, as we prepare for God's Word. Father, thank you again for just the opportunity which we have to come into your house. We are here to worship you, Father. We're to lift up our voices and sing in praise, which we have done. But now as we open your word, I pray that you will speak to our hearts. And as you speak to our hearts, Father, I pray that the spirit within us leaps for joy. To know that the hope that's within us and the faith that's within us will one day see the promise that you have laid before us. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Take your Bibles. We're going to read one verse this morning, and then we're going to talk about worship, all right? Uh, a Christ-like life inspiring many to believe. That is our theme here. That is, is our, our mission, our vision statement for, for Mount Salem Baptist Church, all right? So we're talking today about inspiring the way we look this morning, we're not going to inspire anybody. So guess what? Your pastor, Coach Tim, this morning is here to pump you up, all right? All right, we're going to pump you up. So you guys need to leave here this morning inspired. When you come to hear God's Word, that's what it should do to us. It should inspire us. I know that there are parts of God's Word that is where it teaches us that are hard, and maybe there's some learning that must go on, or there's some things in our life that we must change. But it's all set there for our better. Do you realize this? Every single bit of this was given to lift us up so that we might become more like Christ. There's no other place or thing, anything that we could do or say in our life that would have any meaning other than that, which is in Christ Jesus. So we're to be Christ-like in who we are in discipleship, and our life, our fellowship, is to mirror that. So today, we've got to figure out how we stay inspired. How do we stay inspired? If, if you are with me and you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. The Scripture says this. Now say this with me, all right? It should be up here on the screen if you need it. Otherwise, it's in your Bible. It says, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What a blessing. What a statement. So what is this saying to us? What it's saying to us is that there's only one God, one Father of all, one Father of us all, one Creator, okay? That God, the God that we, that we worship here this morning, is over all, over all things, one supreme being. He's sovereign, sovereign in all things. He's immortal, imperishable, not subject to death. He is constant, and He is perpetual. What does this mean to us, that He is over all things? He's over death. He is over loss. He is over bad moods. He's over every situation and circumstance in your life. He is over everything that you think that He is not over. You see, we try to live our life thinking that we're in control. Get this. You are not in control. How many of you are control freaks? You don't want to raise your hand. You don't want everybody else to know, right? All right? We know that there are some who are control freaks. I'm not a control freak. I'm an out-of-control freak, but I'm not a control freak, all right? There are some people here who want to have their hands on every—that's just how we're wired. We want to have our hands on every single thing so that we can know the outcome or produce the outcome that we desire. 
That's not what God's desire for us is. We need to understand that He is in charge of all things. He is in control. And why is that important? Because what we do then is we lay down the things that come between us and God. Because we allow things to come between us and God because we don't think they're going right. And when the outcome is different than what we desire, we try to move it in the the needle in the direction in which we would have it go. That's not always the direction that God would have it go. God's got a plan. Say that with me. God's got a plan. All right? That plan is not your plan. That plan is God's plan. That is an imperishable plan. He is sovereign. He is seeing it through. John 10, 29 says this. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Once we are His, we are His. His children, He is in control. Amen? All right. So, 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says this. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things and we exist for Him. We don't exist for each other. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for Him. In existing for Him... And doing what he calls us to do, then we have fellowship with each other. This should lift us up. God's plan for our life is not to destroy us. His plan for our life is not to make us miserable. But we walk around with our hands in our pockets going, Oh, it's me. I'm a believer. I'm Eeyore. And we have our heads down and we think all these things. But this is not the way that God would have us to live. God would have us to live a cheerful life, a glad life, a good life, the life of abundance. Why? Because those are the things that he promises that he is going to give us. And we need to see that through all of this because we see with our eyes. And when we see with our eyes and we look at the mess, we go, man, ain't no way I'm bringing a child into this world. This is a messed up place. There ain't no way that I'm doing this because I, this place is going crazy. Everybody's a hell in a handbasket. You know, all this kind of stuff. All these bad things that we see and look at in the world, it brings us down. We should be able to come here and be lifted up by God and by each other. All right? Amen. So, he is over all, one supreme being, sovereign. He is in all. He is one infinite being, limitless. God has no limits. He is eternal, everlasting. He is not subject to change. I guess no one in here has ever changed their mind about something, have they? You've not changed your mind? You never, you never started out in one direction in your life and then just changed and actually went the other way, right? There's not one thing that you ever said that came out of your mouth and you had to back that up and say, oh, well, maybe that wasn't right. I'm going to change my thought process on that. We change like the wind. And politically today, we just wet our finger and stick it up and see which way the wind's blowing, and that's the way we want to go, the same way that everybody else is going. That's not the what God calls us to. God calls us to a life that he has created for us. He is immovable. He does not change. That is very important for us. Because as we try to weave in and out of life, God is constant. He's a constant to us. He's a constant through us and in us. He should be the one thing that holds us all together. 
And when everything else is in despair, when everything around us is crumbling, when everything around us is bringing us down, he should be the constant that we hold on to. Why? Because that's what sees us through. That's the light that's inside of us that brings a difference to the dark world. We are to shine. Our light is to be set on a hill for others to be able to see. If we are uninspired and we stick us on the hill, we're going to be hiding it. <clears throat> There's an Old Testament story, all right? And, and the Old Testament story is about Gideon. I'll digress for just a second, but just give me a moment. So, so Gideon, when God finds him, does anybody know where Gideon is? Gideon is in the threshing floor, and he's beating out the wheat, all right? And so that's what Scripture says. That's not the way that you thresh wheat back in the day. You know the way that they thresh wheat back in the day? Was to take it up to the top of the mountain and they would beat it. Guess what would happen? The wind would come along and drive all the chaff away. So Gideon is down in the threshing floor down there beating the wheat and he's got to go down and he's going to have to go down in there and pick all the wheat out because all of it's down there. He's made a mess is what he's made. All over the floor. Everything is there. Why did he not go to the top of the mountain? He didn't go to the top of the mountain because he was the least of the tribe of all the, all the tribes, and he was least in the tribe. He was a nobody. He lived his life in fear. And so he wouldn't go up there and do that which he was called to do because he wanted to hide. If we don't have Christ living in us, we're living in a, We're hiding. We're just like him. And guess what we think? We think that if we go and hide, God's going to leave us alone. God did not leave Gideon alone. See, this is what we do. I don't want to do that, Lord. Oh, this is where you need me to be. I don't want to step out in faith and do that. Why did he come to you in the first place with that? He did that to change where you are right now because he knows that's what's best for you. He is trying his best through his word and through his spirit to inspire you. But through all of that, we go and hide. We don't want to be found. We want to be left alone. We want to sit in our corner and just live our life. Just, just don't bother me. This is not what God's called us to do. He has called us to be his people. He is living in us. He is eternal. He is everlasting. He is limitless. If he is that way, that is what he wants us to, that's the way that he would like for us to live. We put walls up in our lives. We think that we're only talented enough to do this. We only have this much time to do this. We only have this much money to do this. We can't get this done. And in and of ourselves, we cannot. But God is limitless. He can take care of everything. I want to tell you something. And I don't mean to say this to, to point out anybody or anything or anything like that. So just take it take a listen to this in the inspiration of the wholeness of what we were what what we're talking about, all right? Now look, we talked last week about the fact that if 30 people walked in this church, we'd probably mug them for Jesus, wouldn't we? All right? They would come in and we would mug love them. We would be all over them. We were like, 30 new people walked into our church. That's an amazing thing. But we don't think on Sunday mornings that that can happen. But about four or five weeks ago, we were in men's prayer time at 9.15 in the morning. Al asked me, what's the most important thing that we could pray for? 
And I looked at him and I said, you know what, Al? We would need some new family. The best thing would happen for us is if we had some new families to come into this church. And if they walked in, that would be an amazing, amazing thing. So we have this time in prayer. We break out and we start to come to Sunday school. And two new families that morning walked in for the very first time. All right? Do you see what I'm talking about there? This is what I'm talking about. We would sit there and we would say, there ain't no way nobody new showing up here today. It's the same people that we've had here. They were here last week. They were here last month. They were here last year. They were here last decade. It's the same people. This is us, Tim. Get used to it. That's looking at us and seeing the limits of that. God is transformative. He is unlimited by that. Do you realize that if he wanted everybody from that neighborhood down the road to come here, they would be here? That is the power of God. That is the eternalness of God. God can make that happen. You're not going to make that happen. Tim's not going to make that happen. My name on the signboard out there is not going to make that happen. All right? Showing me on the screen on the Internet is not going to make that happen. Amen? Amen? All right? But... God can make that happen. See, that should inspire us. That should give us the inspiration that we need to wake up every morning and on our knees pray to Him for the things that we know that we need and that our church family needs and that our family needs and that our country needs and that our world needs. Don't look to Donald Trump. It ain't going to happen. Don't fret over what's going to happen two years from now when the next party or the the same party has control over this or the other. I'm going to tell you this. In God's eyes, it does not matter. He puts them there. That's what Scripture says, right? God puts them there. We shouldn't be cowing to Him. We should be saying, "Thank you should be thanking the Lord that He allowed you to be there. But as people of God, we go politically play those sides, each side. We should be praying to God for him to put who needs to be there next for us. And allow him to take care of it. And then if our side didn't win, deal with it. Pray to God for what goes next. Same thing in all the situations and circumstances that are in our lives. Every single one of us. Because why? Because God is God. He is over all and he is in all. Isaiah 43, 10 through 13 says this. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. I am he. Before me there was no God formed and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And there is no Savior beside me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed. And there, is no, there was no strange God among you. So you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And I am God. Even from eternity, I am He. And there is none other who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? John seventeen three. This is eternal life. You, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's it. 
that's us. What do you want to know about me? I'm a follower of Christ. What do you see about me? I'm a follower of Christ. What do you hear from me? I'm a follower of Christ. That's our identity. That's who we are. That should inspire our life to live our life because God leads our life. So, God is over all, He is in all, and then He is through all. He's through everything. We are enlightened by Him. This is where the inspiration comes from, is that He is through all things. Do you get this? He's working not only in your life, but He's working in Paul's life and mine and Paul's life together for the betterment of not only Paul and me, but for everybody else around us. Do you get that? So guess what? When you're a couple and you're married and God's in your life and God's in your spouse's life, He's working through both of you. And if if your children are saved, think about the entirety of your household that way. All the people that God is working in and through in your life. Do you see that? That's not an addition thing. God doesn't add. God adds. But the power of God is multiplied. We add, God multiplies. But the problem for us most of the time is, is that we are divided, which leads to subtraction. We get caught up in the things that divide us from each other, and then that subtracts from the whole. If we would get in the business of being on the same page, God would be such an inspiration in us and through us that it would overflow into those around us. Are you excited about coming to Mount Salem Baptist Church? Are you telling other people about the fact that you're excited to come to Mount Salem Baptist Church? Are you inspired by what's going on here? Then that's the way that we should live publicly before before those who we meet every single solitary day. When we go in on Monday, it shouldn't be that, oh man, I got to go back to my routine on Monday. This is just trying to make it to Sunday until Brother Tim can come and inspire me again. I know that's what y'all all say. The reality is is that you wake up on Monday and go, man, if I ever have to live through that again, I don't know if I'm going to make it. We should allow God to inspire us on Sundays to such a degree that he carries us Monday through Saturday. That his word carries us through all the muck and the mire. Why? Because he is over us, he is in us, and he is working through us. And as he works through us, he takes that inspiration that he gives us and he multiplies that out. I'm not going to name this, but I'm going to tell a story. Because if I name it, then one of my children would probably get mad at me. But one of our children hums, all right? And it's an amazing thing. You just uh, you wouldn't expect it, but they're just they're they're a hummer. So there are times, and you're gonna they're both back there, so they live with us, and you gotta gotta deal with it. So when they're in our house, the day's not always going that great. But when somebody comes out and just starts humming, I'm like, wow, they're in a good mood. Humming is a good mood thing, right? You don't want to hum if you're in a bad mood, right? 
So I'm like, this, this one is always humming. Because they're always humming, that is an inspiration to those who are around us. When you go get your coffee on Monday morning in the break room with everybody else, are you an inspiration on Monday morning to those who are around you? Coffee, I hate this coffee. I don't wish they'd buy some better coffee. I'm going to start bringing some real coffee in here. Never have any sugar. There's not enough sweet and low for nothing, you know, equal. Who, eats, who has equal? Who uses that? You know, I mean, is that the way we are? Or do we come in and we're like, coffee, they're supplying me something for free. This should be on my benefits, but it's not. Are we inspired? Are we an inspiration to those who are around us? Is our life a pick-me-up or are we Eeyore and bring everybody else down? Because if we're an Eeyore and like everybody else and bring them down, then the whole world is caught into that. But if we're an inspiration, if we're a pick-me-up, if we're a hummer, then that might be something that actually brightens somebody else's day. That might be an inspiration to somebody else around. Just something simplistic. Something positive. Something that brings a little grace, love, mercy to somebody else. Just your smile. Just your attitude. Just your positive words. Scripture says that we're to be encouragers, that we're to build up. Every place that we go should be better when we leave. Ooh. Every place should be better that we go when we leave. Our job is to build that up. Why? Because that's the power of God through us. Through us. It's invisible, it's unseen. And it's not a subject to our perception. I want to say one thing right here before I finish these scriptures and we go on and have our communion time together. Do you think everybody that comes in here as a first-time guest is inspired by us when they walk through that door? That's where it starts. If God brings them here, and we're not an inspiration to them, we have done wrong. We have done wrong. So our job is to be the light that God places inside of us. Not to hide it. Not to hold on to it for ourselves. But to allow it to illuminate everything that is around us. Scripture says this in John 16, verse 13 through 15, and then verse 27. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all the truth. He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he, he, he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that God, that the Father has are mine, therefore... I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I come forth from the Father. This is what Christ is saying about our relationship between him, God, and the Holy Spirit. Do you get what I'm sharing with you this morning? God's eternal. And so he's overall. 
We don't see that because God is invisible and he's up there and we can lose our focus sometimes. But God is in us. That's through Christ Jesus. He breaks down the barrier between us and God so that we can have a personal relationship with our creator. And then he lives through us. That is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what it means for us to be spirit-filled. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Why are we here to worship? Because that's God. That's our creator. That's our sustainer. That's our giver of life. That's our rock. That's our shield. That's our support. That's our inspiration. I want you so excited that when you leave today, you're going to go tell everybody about this church. You may have been here all your life, but you are so pumped up about where this church is right now and where this is going and so excited about the things that are going to happen here that you're inspired. And that inspiration flows out into those who are around you. You want to know why church plants grow so fast in comparison to to congregations that are already up and going and have been going? This is it right here inspiration. They've come somewhere new. It's all new. It's shiny. It's just like when you get a new car. You get in and you go, oh, this smells great. And then you spill coffee in it and your kids throw cereal in the back and you're like, six months later, it doesn't even smell the same, does it? Somebody dings you in the Walmart parking lot and you're like, what am I even paying for this for? And it's no longer new. It's all dinged up and it stinks. And you're no longer inspired. You want to what? Trade it in. That's exactly right. Trade it in. This is who we are. We have put Revive Renew all over our dashboard this morning here at Mount Salem. It looks and smells... It's the Christmas tree that smells like new car, and you just stuck it up on your rearview mirror. It's all new. It's fresh, and it's inspired because why? Because you're renewed, and you're fresh, and you're inspired. It's the same walls, same same glass, same fellowship hall, same ants that come in every once in a while if you leave food out around here. They're all still here, but we're inspired. We're transformed. We're made new. We're made afresh. And because of that, that brings new life into this place. Amen? All right. So where does it start? With us. Right now. Today. What is communion? Communion is a time of examination. If there's Eeyore in your life, goes out. Right now, as we break bread together, And as we have this time of communion together, as we are inspired by God, His Word together today, we walk out of here, we're anew and afresh. Our relationship is restored and renewed. Let me pray for us. And as as I finish prayer, deacons are going to come forward, and then we'll have our time of communion together. 
Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the fact that we can take your word, read your word. And Father, it just transforms our lives. Father, this world can get us down. This world can weigh on us. But Father, you say that we are to trade all of those burdens in and pick up yours, which are light. And you tell us that they're of evil. Why? Because you're carrying it. And Father, I pray that during this time of communion, as we examine ourselves, we'll look afresh and anew at our lives and see the things that are keeping us from becoming truly who we need to be in Christ Jesus, and we'll rid ourselves of those things. And as we lay off those sins and encumbrances, Father, that you will renew and refresh and restore us. These things we pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our deacons to come forward.